had heard about this, and so we met for lunch or coffee, I can't remember. And he said, um, I want in. I want what you have. And I said, okay. Uh, what do you mean? And he's like, that the church thing, the God thing, the Christian thing, my friend has it, you have it, I want it. How do I get it? And I said, well, in some ways it's that easy, and in other ways it's not. And then we both kind of stared at each other. Now, what would you have said? Imagine it's your friend across the table or someone you know, and they're saying, I want what you have. Um, part of what we're going to talk about today answers that question. Uh, but I did find a cheat sheet for Colossians 3, or for our series, Marks of a Follower. We've been going through what, it, what is the essence of someone who follows Jesus. And Colossians 3, 12 through 17 sums it up probably better than anything else that we've looked at so far. So if you have your Bible, you might see some things that you want to write down in it, but it is up on the screen. And uh, at this time, I just want to read that because I think, again, it summarizes where we've been and where we've yet to go. So in Colossians 3, 12 through 17, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you have grievances against each other. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body we are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. I mean, doesn't that sound like a really good list? That, to me, sounds like the essence of someone who follows Jesus. And, and that's what my friend wanted. But, but he wanted a list. He wanted to know, like, when we were going to sing and when we were going to teach on things and where our new church building was going to be built uh, and, and what he had to do. I think part of what he thought was, if I can just be compassionate, if I can act kind, if I can display gentleness, if I can practice patience, if I can forgive others, and if I, I can love people, if I can do those things, then I will get peace with God. Okay, you following me? But that's not the gospel. That's not the good news about Jesus. See, See, we talked last week when we talked about this uh, mark of boldness that, that choosing to follow Christ isn't so much about deciding Jesus is our Savior, but it's more like jumping into the flow of God. But even in jumping into the flow of God, we have to make a decision to jump. At some point, we have to say, um, I need to respond to the good news about Jesus Christ, about the salvation that he offers, and about the kingdom of God. And so, 
so Jesus came to restore us to God. That's what we believe as people who believe in Christ. That's what we believe as, as what we'd call ourselves Christians. Um, because we have and, and had at the time a sin problem. We, ha- we do things that um, pull us away from God. We, some of us, mostly me, um, maybe you are selfish. Maybe, you, maybe you've hurt other people. Maybe you've gossiped. Maybe you've lied or cheated or argued in anger. Um, maybe you've said things that you've regretted. And the Bible just simply calls that sin. And that pulls us away from God. And it pulls us away from what God's best for us is. And yet the Bible tells this story of Jesus who was perfect, who was fully God and fully human. And he, he died, he lived a perfect life. He died the lowliest death. And in that, fulfilled the contract or fulfilled the old covenant that God had said to Israel to do that they failed to do. And in that, he became the solution to this global sin problem. He restored us. And when we respond to him as Savior, as King, as Master, then God's Spirit immediately fills us and we now have peace with God. That's it. And, and today as we focus on Colossians 3.15, which says, Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts since it's members of one body. We're called to peace. So the big question is, okay, how do we live in that peace? And how do we share that peace? And so to demonstrate that, before Tim comes up to kind of explain what this looks like in, in other places of the world a little bit more concretely, I need two volunteers. So I need Nick and Jake. You might have been randomly selected or we might have talked before this point. Um, to come up. And, uh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll put, we'll put Nick right here and we'll put Jake on the other side. So Nick and Jake, as you can see and assume... Our avid football fans, look, they're sharing, sharing love to each other. Um, and, and you might assume that Nick loves the Packers, and that would probably be a correct assumption, as does Carrie. And you might assume Jake loves the Vikings. Um, and so, but one day, Nick decides he's going to follow Jesus. Woo! Yes, okay. He finds out who Jesus was, that he loves Nick, that he died and lived this sinless life, that he restores Nick, and Nick now has peace with God, and Nick is very excited about this. Yes, not only is he excited about this, he wants to share this with his friend, Jake. So, so Jake starts talking to, to Nick, um, in, in ways to share Jesus. And in fact, he's so excited to share Jesus with Nick, I mean with Jake, that he offers Jake the opportunity to choose Jesus too. So, so Jake, you, to, to become someone who loves Jesus, um, you need to fit in that. You need to, you need to remove the Vikings jersey. You can no longer be a Viking. You must be a Packer Christian, or a Christian Packer. So you, not only do you need to remove it, you might even, let's see if I know how to do this, you might even need to, like, burn the Vikings jersey. Okay? Now, I don't know how Jake feels about this. I've been a Viking fan for, well, I've been disappointed since 1986. Let's put it that way. But, um... Jake has to make a decision, doesn't he? 
Now, this is a little bit, little bit absurd. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. Good job. But a little bit, a little bit absurd. But sometimes we attach things to Jesus that were never meant to be attached to Jesus. Now, most of the time, it's not a football team. But a lot of times, it's other stuff. And, and so, as I thought about how do, we, how do we talk about this idea of peace with Christ and what it means, um, Tim Drank has been to Kosovo before. Tim has, works with this ministry called Discovery Ministry. I'll let Tim tell you about the work that they do in Kosovo. But Tim has to talk to people that culturally are different than he is. And so, Tim, why don't you come up and why don't you share with us more about what it means to share the gospel, or as you like to call it, the pure gospel. Okay. Um, in 1999, uh, God gave Discovery Ministry the opportunity to be part of what he was doing in Kosovo. Now, first of all, where is Kosovo? Um, you can see it right there in the middle of the map. It was it's part of, or was part of, the former Yugoslavia, uh, as is Serbia and about six other nations now. Uh, and they, uh, it's about the size of Connecticut. It's predominantly, ethnically predominantly Albanian. And Albanians are very proud of being Albanian. Um, it is part of their identity. And, and I, I have a hard time explaining how much they attach themselves to that uh, idea of being Albanian. And I think, you know, the football teams come maybe a l- closer, but perhaps maybe how much we, t- we hold on to uh, freedom or self-determination uh, or self-reliance. Uh, their whole existence uh, is wrapped up in being Albanian. And they love to celebrate it. They love to have dances. They dress up in their traditional uh, clothing and, um, and have these ceremonies and dances. And they, I think they come up with reasons, excuses to do this. They do it at schools. Kids get involved. And um, they love it. And they love having these kinds of events. Um, and they'll have the Albanian flag with the uh, Albanian eagle. They have pictures of uh, cultural heroes that show up in people's houses. This is, you know, we put up artwork um, and they put up pictures who, of heroes from long ago that have done something uh, significant for Albania. And they, uh, and you'll see it really everywhere. Uh, this isn't isolated, it, you know, every, in every house you go into, you see something like this. And they, they value that uh, so highly. Uh, they also value family, um, where almost the point of, if you are not part of their family, now family for them means um, their uncle's uh, second removed cousin that we probably don't know who, it, who ours is, but they, they all know. And so really, if, if you're not part of their family, they don't trust you because you're not family. And, and so that's all part of their, their culture. Well, because of the history of the region and the Ottoman Empire and, and for other reasons, they're also Muslim. Now, they are uh, what I would say high identity. They are Muslim. Uh, to be Albanian is to be Muslim. Uh, but they're low practice. 
Most people don't own a Quran. They don't go to the mosque. But if you ask them, they are Muslim. And it's really part of their everyday life. Uh, this is uh, Prizren, uh, one, of the major, one of the larger cities in, in Kosovo. And, and actually, the, the picture before, this is inside of a mosque, uh, the mosque in the bottom left. Now, if you look closely at this picture, you actually will find 15 mosques. And now, most of these mosques aren't well attended on, on Fridays, but they're part of their life. Oh, yeah, you know, there's the call to prayer, largely ignored, but it's part of their life. And uh, to say that they're not Muslim is uh, really to reject everything that they hold dear. Now, in line with their strong attachment to being Albanian, being Muslim, they also have ethnic enemies, uh, the Serbs. The relationship between the Serbs and the Albanians would be kind of similar to Israeli-Palestinian relationships. Uh, not good. They hate each other. Um, and when I mean they hate each other, they, they really hate each other. Um, and when they think of Serbs, they think of, in 1999, the Serbs came in um, and did ethnic cleansing. And they made, have made a lot of these monuments, and, and these are the graves of, of some of the people that were killed. And one, it, it memorializes those who fought, those who died, but it also reminds them what the Serbs did to them. Now, the other thing about the Serbs is that they're Christian. They are culturally Christian, um, much like uh, the Albanians are Muslim, but the Christianity, uh, more specifically Orthodox Christianity, is part of the Serbs so much that when the Serbs do their victory sign, they do this, and that represents the Trinity. And it's a part of who they are. And in Prizren, uh, there's this church. And it's, very, it's a, a very old church that is very ornate. Um, and if you know anything about the Orthodox, this is relatively typical. And it was 2003. There was some, uh, for some political and economic reasons, the Albanians were very angry at the Serbs. Uh, and they rioted. And this church became a focal point of that anger. And the Serbs destroyed it. And, of course, me on the outside think, oh, the history, the, the, all that was there, but for the, Serb, for the Albanians that represented that their enemy, this church did. And, and so for us walking in, uh, my father and I, who, who is, we work for Discovery, how do we live out this passage in, in Colossians? How do we live in peace? How do we share that with with them. And I think what we really need to do is focus on the gospel. And I say pure gospel just because I think we sometimes lose what the gospel is. And um, my working definition of the gospel is the good news concerning Jesus Christ, salvation, and the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus Christ, because he's the focal point, the mediator in our relationship with, Christ, with God. Um, salvation, because we've been redeemed, we've been rescued from the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin. And the kingdom of God, because <clears throat> it's how we live as uh, Jesus with, as our Lord and Savior, both in the context of believers now, but also of what is yet to come. And so, what does that look like? 
how do we live out and focus on the gospel in Kosovo? Well, in 1999, um, we, when we got there, seeing these kinds of scenes, uh, houses destroyed, whole villages destroyed, was common. I have hundreds of pictures of things that have been uh, just decimated and families that have a house, but it's been so badly damaged that they had to have a tent uh, in their yard that, that was given to them by the government, and that's where they lived. And this is in October. This is not, you know, this is not summer camping. This is um, trying to survive. And seeing um, these makeshift graves uh, was common. There were so many people killed that um, they really didn't have time to make more permanent things at this point. And, and so these were common sites. And, and so what we did was in the beginning, since there was so much destruction, we helped rebuild. We um, helped rebuild houses and uh, communities. And then as time went on, uh, we were able to create an English school. Uh, English was seen, is seen as a way to advance yourself. Uh, get a better job, either in country or outside, and and so we would bring we brought teams along to help teach converse, conversational English, and they were taught uh, British English, and so they loved talking to Americans. Uh, they thought that was great. Uh, for some families who are so poor, there's no social security, there's no so, there's very little social services that we just support by giving them money or bringing food uh, on a monthly basis. Uh, for we've done a lot for widows and poor families. This widow, uh, who lost her husband in '99, uh, was pregnant with her 12th child at, her t- at the time, and lived in just deplorable conditions. Uh, it's just awful. And so we partnered and organized with a couple other organizations, we, and were able to build her a house. And this uh, changed her world, to say the least. Uh, for some families who had land but their equipment had been destroyed, we, Discovery Ministry, purchased a number of tractors. And we leased tractors to the, uh, about 12 families for free, saying, farm your land and be able to support and sustain your family using that. Um, and then for this poor family on the end, on the left there, uh, on the right there, uh, he's disabled. They live in a one-room house with really no insulation, and we were able to buy them a cow. And buying a cow, you know, they have milk, they can make cheese, they can make yogurt, and it's a life-giving animal. And one of their statements, um, Demush said that he has hope now. He has hope for the future because they have this cow and calf. Uh, And some of the other things we've done, we brought a high school team that made this uh, walkway, this patio by the... uh, um, the gymnasium at the high school, and this was in 2004, and it's actually doing very well. Um, it's in good condition still. And, and so uh, one other thing we've done was we brought uh, with uh, some businessmen over to do some business seminars. They have unemployment about 60 to 70%. And so you don't go find a job. You really have to make it. And so we brought people over to help them establish and sustain businesses. Well, in line with their value of family. One of the other things we've done is in honoring, they, in honoring them is uh, I brought my family. And this is my daughter, Bria, at, when she was two years old. Um, and uh, they loved it. They live in a, 
an honor-shame society. We live in an innocent guilt society. And so to be honored like that with uh, something that they value so highly, we were told over and over how much they saw us caring for them because I brought my family. And uh, um, it, was, it was a huge, huge deal. Uh, one, one time we were at, this is yet another celebration, uh, I forget for what, but they, uh, uh, we got there just about as it was, it was, just as it was about to start. And the, the mayor, the, the one who was organizing this all, heard, found out that we were, that we had arrived. And um, he actually cleared out part of the first front row, kicked people out of their seats and said, sit here. We want you to sit in this place of honor. Uh, and, and Naomi was a little embarrassed uh, that, you know, having kicked people out who had been, who had been waiting for, I don't know how many hours to, to see this ceremony. And we were given those seats because they wanted to honor us because we had honored them. And, and so when uh, people would ask, why do you do these things? Uh, and by all the things we've done, we've built relationships, we've built trust, we've really earned the right to be heard. Um, and, and yet, you know, well, yes, but why? And so how do we share Christ with a culture that has enemies that are Christians, that have, been, uh, that have had their family killed, literally, I don't mean that figuratively, literally killed by these Christians. And so when, when we share our faith, when we share Jesus, we've really learned that we need to leave behind our culture and customs so that they can hear the gospel and not hear um, that I am a, a Western, uh, Midwestern Protestant um, that has our own way of doing things. And let me give you an example. When, when we pray, we generally fold our hands, bow our heads, and, and pray. Well, for them, as Muslims, they hold their hands out, and they keep their head up. Uh, and what they're doing is they're, one, offering to God their lives, and everything that they have, but they're also allowing God to give them blessings. And then when they're done praying, they do this as a way to receive those blessings. And, and so when we pray in Kosovo, we pray like this, because that is their cultural form. Does it really matter that we fold our hands or not? No, and, and you think, well, that's not a big deal, but we attach a lot of other forms and how we do things along with when we talk about Jesus. Uh, and even the terms that we use often mean something very distinctive to us, but can mean something very and drastically different to them. Uh, the term Christian comes to mind. Um, that, you know, if I asked you, what does Christian mean? Most likely, you would give a definition somehow relating it back to Jesus. Well, for these people, these Albanians, um, that the term Christian often comes up with Serbs. That's what they hear. Christian, my enemies, uh, these people that have killed my family. 
And so we don't use the term Christian. We don't say, I want, to, I want you to become a Christian. Now, just from the little bit that I've told you, can you get a sense of what they hear when someone says, I want you to become a Christian? Not only do they have to leave behind and reject everything that they hold uh, so dear to their hearts and their heritage, but they also have to then identify with their sworn enemies. And so we don't say that. We, we use the term follower of Christ. Um, church, we don't say church because, again, that's associated with Serbs. Um, we don't ask, oh, you're going to go to church on Sunday. Uh, you know, all, think of all the cultural things that are attached to what we would think a very you know, simple phrase. And so instead we talk about um, gatherings or, or fellowships of believers, and that makes a distinction. And so even our terms make a difference. And so if, if that is what it looks like in Kosovo, what does it look like here? Now, this Kosovo things obviously are more um, drastic, perhaps. But do we, are, are we able to come alongside someone and share with them the gospel, Jesus, salvation, and the kingdom of God with someone without attaching our own cultural customs and things that we probably don't even recognize anymore. Um, you know, think of the term Christian. Uh, you know, we've got Christian bookstores, we've got Christian radio, we've got Christian schools. Um, I think we've got Christian pencils. And I know some people that I think that if they'll only drink milk if it comes from a Christian cow. And so this phrase, Christian, does it mean to the person that you're talking to in your workplace, uh, the neighbor, uh, whether they're the same ethnicity or not, do they understand that term to be what you think it means? Or do they associate it with something drastically different? Um, and are, are you aware of that? Do we see the need to build relationships, to build trust, uh, you know, doing... Uh, the, the boxes for the military, uh, teaching uh, the alphabet to, the, to students in schools. That is restoration building trust in our community. Um, and even though it's not uh, distinctly sharing Jesus at that very moment, but it's building that trust, building the right to be heard. And I think that we often lose out on opportunities for people to hear the gospel, to hear about Christ, because we attach so much of our own culture to that. Um, I have a quote that I came across a while ago. It says, The church ought to be variously accommodated to the customs of each nation and age. It will be fitting, as the advantage of the church will require, to change and abrogate or leave behind traditional practices and establish new ones. Um, that was written by John Calvin in the mid-1500s. And so this idea of not attaching our culture and customs to Jesus is not new. I think we've simply forgotten it and have, and, um, have gotten so wrapped up in how we do things that we forget that Jesus didn't come to make people um, look nice on Sunday morning, but, people, the, but that Jesus came to help, and, and help people see their need for him and to redeem them. And that is what we've learned from Kosovo as we've worked there.
Thanks so much, Tim. Um, appreciate the challenge, and I think it'd be appropriate for us to, to pray for Tim and the work that they're doing in Kosovo. So if you're comfortable joining us in prayer, and if you want to extend a hand um, to Tim to uh, symbolically lay hands on their work um, and his family, and uh, let's go to prayer. Father God, you are big enough to be called many names um, to the Muslims and these people in Albania who call you Allah. Uh, you, uh, they, they just don't know the full picture of you. But you can handle being called different names if people are trying to seek out who you are. I thank you for the work that Tim and his parents and their family and many others have been doing in Kosovo. Thank you for Discovery Ministry, the way that they are helping people discover the reality of you, God, of the true definition of who you are, um, the God who is most fully known in the person of Jesus. God, we pray for these um, families that have been impacted uh, by the work that Discovery Ministry has done, and we pray, God, that you would continue to have your kingdom spread, that this work would continue. We pray for their national workers, uh, Barat and others who uh, are seeking to help people uh, discover who you are in Christ, that they don't need to leave behind and abandon and burn all their cultural practices, God, but, but they just need to follow you as the person of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, against the forces of darkness, of evil, of um, cultural barriers that would seek to hinder their work, I pray that you would break through that, God. I pray that you would protect and give um, Tim and the others that work in Discovery Ministry renewed vision, insight, passion, and drive um, for what they're doing. God, thank you for this opportunity to hear about how you are at work in another part of the world with people very different than us. And yet, still with so many of the same needs, this desire to be known by you, to be loved by you, to be connected to your kingdom, we pray that that work would continue. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, as you look at and listen to Tim and how um, these cultures work out in, in Kosovo, uh, think about how many cultures have now come around to us. How, how so much of the world is actually in our own backyard. And Tim asked a question, do we build relationships of trust with other people? Um, and the ways that we do that at Restoration, uh, we, we believe that in America, especially in, in where we live, that it's still very culturally appropriate to gather on Sunday mornings. So we gather on Sunday mornings. We lift up the name of God. We discover who he is. We meet in fellowship together and we do that. Um, we also believe that to best know, um, not necessarily know God, but to best really know God and know ourselves, we need to be in groups. We need to be in community relationships, and so we do life groups together. And we also believe that, that it does take more than just asking someone to go to church or asking someone about Jesus or telling that story. It takes more than just saying those words. We need to build relationships of trust, and we need to build um, the, <clears throat> sorry about that, um, 
the right to be heard. And so we do these things of missional impact because we believe that, that sharing good deeds and doing good deeds produces goodwill. And in that goodwill, it gives us the right to share the good news. So think of it as good cubed. Good deeds produces goodwill that gives us the right to share the good news. That's what we say when we say missional impact. And that's what we need to be about more and more and more. So how does that look in your life? Are you building good deeds to produce goodwill, to be able to share the good news with those that God has in your sphere of influence? Let's stand and sing. The word, the peace of Christ rules where the word of God dwells. So as we go and share peace with others, may the word of God dwell in your heart so richly that, that it flows out of us, that, that we have overcome because Jesus overcame. That word of God is dwelling in us and the peace of Christ is ruling in your hearts. May it rule this week and have a great Sunday. See you next week.